Welcome to Voices on Art, the Van Horn Gallery podcast hosted by Daniela Steinfeld. I'm Daniela, and this podcast is about my personal and also about a lot of other people's enthusiasm for art. Art can touch on all parts of life, and therefore we talk about all parts of life. I hope to get you on board and to tell you interesting stories you enjoy listening to. For international listeners, the podcast will be held mostly in English. We're recording via the internet, so please excuse any glitches and sound quality. Episode 66, recorded August 22, 2022. My guest today is Susanne Titz, Director of Museum Abteilberg in Mönchengladbach since 2004 and before Director of the NAK NAC, Neuer Aachener Kunstverein. Susanne is since many years part of the international art scene, which she brings to the Rhineland and North Rhine-Westphalia and vice versa. Hi, Susanne. Very nice to have you. Hi, Daniela. It's very nice to be there. Yeah, I know it's strange and I, I will repeat it again because we both know each other. We both are German speakers. And for the audience, I just want to say we speak English so everybody can understand it. <laughs> That's the policy of Voices on Art. So, um, Susanne, my first question, as always, goes a little bit back. And that is, how did you grow up? And what were your early influences? And was there ever that one decisive moment in your life when you knew that you wanted to work with art? Oh, la la. <laughs> Actually, I grew up very much in the context, one could say, with the Ludwig collection and Fluxus and Agitpop, just because I grew up in that region where all these movements were happening in the late 60s and early 70s. So in Aachen, I experienced as a kid or a young one, for example, all these early shows of the Ludwig Collection and the birthday of art that I think Robert Fiu created. And all these happenings were, in a way, for me, something as my parents took me there. They were something which created also sort of a mistake in my thoughts, because I thought, uh, for me, art was a party. Art was something like a big event where things are expressed, where some expressions reign that are useful and great for life. So it's not only artifacts, it was the experience. It was the experience, it was the spaces, mm -hmm. it was the people, it was all these interdisciplinary aspects of kind of music and theater-like, stage-like happenings. And I'm still very thankful for that because it also, I think, created a sensibility for all those aspects of art, which in my view were the main important issues in the 60s and 70s and got lost quite a lot after. So I think for us now, it's a good moment to think about all these roles of art that were visions and new experiences in the 60s, well, before also in the 20s or 30s. So all these extensions of visual art into something which is life or which is maybe an experimental dealing with life. 
you worked at the Kunstverein, but now since many years you worked at the museum, which usually are read as if they are the spaces to preserve artifacts. So how to work in a museum context with exactly that, what you said? Maybe this is why I felt all these years so fascinated about exactly that position at Museum of Tyberg, because the story of that museum in the old spaces at Bismarckstraße, so the old municipal museum, which was always an interim, but the site where Boy's very first big museum show happened, and then Stanley Brown, Hanne Darboven, and all these people did their very important early shows. All this is a big task now for the building and the institution of the museum in Mönchengladbach at the Abteilberg in this new online building then to remind also the original context of all these artifacts. So for me, and in the years of my studies, I always was super critical towards uh, museum institutions just because when they went into contemporary art, they were mainly in the 80s, late 80s, they were showing like a specific range of object art. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, it was, well, simply said, like Richard Long, Calandre, Donald Judd. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you would have this sort of, well, memory of the 60s in this way of objects which stood the times and the changes of times, and which stood also finally for the representational object in a traditional museum sense. And so what I had in mind was always to figure out if a museum can also keep the memory of the original context mm -hmm. or the memory or, no, the vivity, the, the life of the art object. That's sort of like the hard thing. For example, if you want to preserve in a way, or if you're not preserve is probably the wrong word. It's probably, as you said, if you want to keep alive a certain experience in a certain moment, I wonder always how is it possible only through archival material? How, how is it possible to keep that spirit alive like a boy's performance or, or something that was done in a certain time with a certain attitude and how to bring that in, in the present time or into even into the future? Yeah, that's, I think, our main interest in a way at the Abteilberg and together with the other colleagues in the team, we are always wondering how to, to work with objects like the poorhouse door or the revolutionary piano, mm -hmm. which look like reliques. Exactly. But they are relics. And mm -hmm. so, for example, we have a huge research project, which is maybe our clue now or our main key for remembering the times and these issues I spoke about. It's Eric and Dorothee Anders' collection and archive. So one of the largest Fluxus collections worldwide. And we acquired this compound, this huge complex, in 2018. And it was, for me, 
something which suddenly created the chance to show context, to mm -hmm. show the background and also the environment, the whole experience these objects had in their kind of environment when they were young. So, for example, all these small papers, all these games, the boxes, the correspondences, all these invitation leaflets, which were very often super fragile, mm -hmm. but talking a lot about the event that was announced for something which was either a fluxus or also a conceptual art project. And all this got into our collection just because Susanne Rennert, one of the scholars of these days, she is a very close colleague to us, in a way, our freelance third curator. And she got us into this connection, and then she helped us a lot in creating this archive in the middle of the museum. And it's now also very centrally positioned by Felicia Rappe, the head of the collection, in our main areas between the Polke and the Richter space. So all these tiny things, the papers and the materials of the archive are visible while you see boys, while you see Richter's Eight Grays or Sigma Polke's huge cycle from the Venice Biennial. You see the background. The museum does not only have like a super special architecture, it also has, in my opinion, a very, very unique collection, especially I'm most familiar with the works like probably from the 50s on, 50s, 60s, 70s, that are in the collection. I don't know if they came always very early in that collection. And a lot of those, like the Polkas, are not relics, but they are like works of art. And how do these things, in your view of the museum, how do these intertwine, the more ephemeral, like the archive, the fluxes, and then the real pieces, like the Polka Room is spectacular? I think also Polke and Richter and lots of these artists of that generation need good thoughts about presentation mm -hmm. and good architecture, good spaces. Because otherwise, on the one hand, you maybe don't get it what it materially meant to produce, for example, a wet painting like with resin, like Polke did it for the Venice Biennial, where he hung everything wet in the inner pavilion. On the other hand, you need to take care, or I would always uh, call it like that, that people also realize, for example, a cycle by Gerhard Richter from 1975 is not just a very, very valuable, expensive part of our collection, but it's a super rough and still very loaden constellation of paintings which created this stance of not being any picture, mm. not being an abstract painting or whatever kind of figuration and non-figuration everybody in the painter's world had uh, in mind so far, 
But in 1975, he did the gray painting just because it was showing something like a model state of one picture and every or one painting and every. So I think to create that, you need to figure out how spaces work and how also a mood of passing a museum or a constellation of spaces works. And in my view, Hans Holland's architecture, which was once very often titled as super dominant or elegant or glam or whatever. I hated it, by the way, in the <laughs> early 80s or in the mid 80s when I experienced it as a student. To me, it was the thumbnail of the 60s because it was wrong to me that a poor house door is positioned on a marble floor. Mm. I thought it's not corresponding anymore to these days. And also Godmother Clark's parts from Office Baroque, it was to me pretty strange to see that in such a glamorous building. But much later, I realized that Hollein had, of course, a very, very sensitive feeling for good materials and also for surfaces. But it was not about design. It was not about something chic, but about a human feeling and a human experience of spaces or an experience of human spaces. When you check carefully, in this museum, all spaces, all proportions are superhuman. And it's also like all these ideas of the art in the 60s and 70s to be spread out on the floor, to be shown without a frame, mm. to be on view without a pedestal and without the aura, pathos, whatever gesture to pretend it's art. All this kind of contrary experience that artists wanted to create in these days of immaterialization, dematerialization, or event-like experience of real space or real reality check, maybe. All this is so much when you check carefully. It's part of this museum architecture because see, for example, that when we position something on the floor, it's really spread out. And once you see it from a ramp or from one of all these stairs, or you watch something from the gallery, you see it's a real floor and there are people surrounded by a space and the objects. And it's really what Robert Morris titled the object-subject-space relationship that's for artists were super important in, in the late 60s. It was also in matter of emancipation. And all this is in our building. And that makes it really good to work with because we have the feeling that art can then enact again these raw and rough expressions that it had when it was young, such a work of art. I'm sure you can never, ever, in this museum, never ignore the building in itself. I find it so interesting that you say, when you go through, you see the, the human experience, the human scale. I actually never thought of that. But now that you say it, 
it's true. It is very free from like the glam hall or the super representative spaces. It's something very, I would say, walkable. Yeah. Yeah. It comes from another era. And if you just remind the design of this museum was created mainly in 1972-73. And it took then 10 years to open it until they were finished. It's a quite demanding story of that building. For Johannes Kladers, it was super complicated. And for Hans Rollein too. But if you remind that the only other museum at that time and that also range of thoughts was Centre Pompidou. Mm. And all the others came later. And when you see how these later ones worked with space and created, for example, large exhibition halls, long promenades, it was a gesture of having, again, a museum sphere, which was maybe in some cases more connected to the 19th century than to the 1960s or 70s. And the thing is that this museum was, when you see it really closely, and also Holland's background, because he knew all of them. Mm -hmm. He knew pop art, conceptual art, process art. He was super close. And you see that this is the mood from that time, and it's very much the critique of what modernism expressed in a building which acted parallelly to contemporary art. In one interview, you said that the building itself is a manifesto. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, like all these things that they imply that you have a lot of knowledge of these things. And I'm absolutely convinced that art, like art in its artifact form, that it is not independent of the space it is presented in or it's shown in or it's immersed in or whatever, that it's very, very important space and art that they, they cannot be thought a part of each other. I think that plays a big role. What audiences, I mean, what is your audience actually? What is the audience? How can those audience be drawn in? Also people that probably are not those art connoisseurs or the people that are really very knowledgeable about these very, very specific times and, and artists and projects, how can you draw them in so that they can really experience, have the full experience of the museum? It's, of course, something uh, you speak about an audience. I think it's, in fact, audiences. Mm -hmm. It's very different fields of a public so on the one hand, it's a local audience, which is mixed in itself. Mm -hmm. And we really want to show them that this is a museum by the city, for the city, and with the idea to be close to the city. So for us, it was very important in 2006, I think already before the general renovation, we started to have the Erster Sonntag, First Sunday. Mm -hmm. And it was at a time when days without admission, I think at Städel, there was something like that, but it was rare. And we had this feeling that once in a month to have free admission and a program for kids in the painting class, and then free tours, and especially tours which say like, you name 
what you want to talk about. And so like a, a more experimental sort of guiding, we had that and it was once in a month. And I had the feeling during all these years that we are also playing this role of a museum for Sundays. So Sunday is a museum day. And there is something which then creates a sort of gathering experience. Of course, uh, it creates sometimes also, one could say, a problem for other days, because in Mönchengladbach, most people know that there is one free day. And the museums for Ein would maybe have more members. It has a lot of members, more than 1,400, but it would certainly have more when there wouldn't be this free admission day. But on the other hand, it's joining people who wouldn't ever become members of the museums, right? So this is kind of the, the local. It, it's a dilemma, but it's opening up for people. That's the yeah. important thing, probably. And I think it's, of course, complicated to approach a broad audience Maybe we could discuss it longer because it never has been easy. Only if you work on a blockbuster, a big name thing. So when you do Gerhard Richter in 2018, then you have a super popular show. But uh, Gerhard Richter was happening in Mönchengladbach in 1975. And Johannes Kladers, then the director, told me later, well, you should imagine that maybe in a week there were 13 people coming. Yes. 13. <laughs> so this whole issue of how to attract a large audience, I think this is something which is always a big issue. But I think there is a general, maybe an expression of the museum itself as being open to the audience of the region, of the local kind of scene. Uh, that is important. And we try hard to, to communicate that way. And this is also why we are having so much fun in continuing art and public space mm -hmm. projects. So, for example, with the Neue Auftraggeber, the new patrons create this project in the garden of the unemployed center. And it's a communal garden which will be run by those people of the unemployed center and one of the grammar schools of Mönchengladbach. And they're doing a school garden, which is also a communal garden, but a private one where they reign and where they do the rules. And we have the feeling now it's something which is art. And at the same time, it's a social communication and come together which is super important at the moment, I think, in society. And Ruth Buchanan, the artist who was selected by Katrin Jentjens, who is the mediator, so to say, also curator of that program here in the Rhineland, she is amazing, or they both are amazing, because Ruth Buchanan was invited by Katrin Jentjens, and they both created something which is now uh, super easy to understand for a real wide range of people in Mönchengladbach. And it's a constellation of sculptures which are walkable and which are creating bridges. And in this garden, which is in the middle of a hill, 
there will be a meaning of all these bridges and ramps and pavilions like stomach, a backbone, and like the mouth and the ear. So organs. So it's like a human body. The human body and the organs that you need for yourself, for your care, and also for the communication with others, they are expressed metaphorically mm. by stairways and ramps and beautiful, colorful objects. So in this project, for example, we realize suddenly we don't need to talk a lot. We don't need to interpret a lot. But it's something which shows what it is about. And it's not always like that. But it creates maybe a certain respect. And I think not everybody needs to be a fan of contemporary art. Like not everybody is a football fan in Mönchengladbach. Yeah, absolutely. Even if we have an amazing football team. But a respect for that or kind of a sort of identification. And maybe also even a proudness. Well, there is one of the most fascinating worldwide known museums for contemporary art, a monument of postmodern architecture in yes. my town. And there is this amazing football team. And both can be something which create a certain feeling for my town, especially as it's a town in a crisis, or it has been a, a town in a crisis for long years. And not one of those which are showing their kind of richness and their uh, beauty. It's, it's a town which shows how reality, also in a Western German town, can be today. I mean, I think Mönchengladbach can be so exemplary for other cities that are going through similar experiences. And I think that the role of a museum in society is very, very important still. And I found something you said in an interview with Artist Magazine, I quote, more than ever before, we can show that museums form a free space in society and that they generate a different horizon for those who live in the city. Under certain circumstances, there are influences that take me out of my own reality of life and provide me, for example, as a child or young person with a different perspective. I consider artists to be important influencers to imagine a different kind of life than that of one's own family, one's own social context, or the starlets and stars in the media. I think that statement says it all, what a museum can be. But I wonder, I mean, you said just that you're collaborating, for example, with the Unemployment Center, which I think is brilliant. But how can you make sure between politics and financial needs that this free space is still provided and thriving? I think that we are now maybe in a situation where more and more people understand what we were talking about, because this statement, I think, is it's maybe 12 years old or so. It's so current, I think. Yes. And just now we talk in the city departments about structural collaborations, which will extend and change the whole work in education, cultural education, in the schools in Mönchengladbach. So we are in project collaborations already with some schools, and we are also creating new formats together with them. Corona played a quite interesting role in that because uh, while 
pupils were not allowed to enter their school rooms. They were sometimes able to enter the museums in small groups. And so these groups of three and four did projects, for example, with Andrea Bowers, and they did mediation projects to communicate an exhibition of an artist at the museum. And they discussed with the artist what to do and how to mediate the project. And then they created either guided tours or films or their proper extensions of the shows. And I have the feeling that what I was talking about earlier is something which more and more becomes really a part of our programmation. And I think it's the easiest way to do mediation, to do it together with the artists who are exhibiting. So to have the artists as communication partners of school pupils is super important. And then they become role models. It's really like role models. So when Hiva Ka is talking about his background in northern Iraq as a Kurdish person, with all his traveling, migration venues here and there, his move between music and art back and forth, this is something which is super interesting and fascinating for young people who so far never heard about something which could create another sort of living and maybe with certain risks, but also with the freedom, um, they can also test for themselves. I think the way of the artist is also a way of self-empowerment. Yeah. You just do your own thing. And this is something for a young person, it might be so in inspiring or even life-shaping. You just said that you are developing like new models of education within the cultural department of the city of Mönchengladbach. The importance, not only of culture, but really of art in education, I think it can't be under rated and it's very much undervalued. I think it could be so great if this would not be only done in the cities, but really on a, the whole republic level, like that there could be a new, like a new research about how can we implement art into education? How can we yes. open up those free spaces for young people? And I think it's, it's maybe even easier than we all thought, just because the Museums, the Kunstvereine and the exhibition halls, they are all there. And contemporary artists pass by. And the new school curricula demands, for example, uh, for primary schools, uh, now full-time, whole-day education. And what is the content then of these days? What do pupils do during the day and what other formats of learning are possible, especially when you think about presentation also. There is one school which is extremely engaged and creating an empowerment which makes all those who think they can't express themselves verbally able just to do a presentation, just to, to talk in front of people. And maybe also to discuss with others in front of other people. 
And this is kind of learning for, for your life. Wow. And it's also not, it's not art, but art and what the artists are dealing with is something which is so contemporary and so much connected to the environment and what all these people in school classes are dealing with, are thinking about. There are always these links. Sometimes it's a little more complicated to find them out. Sometimes you need the artist or you need our help. But then suddenly they realize all these artists are living in the same times. They are maybe even having same complex livings and strange backgrounds. And maybe also not this glam state. I always thought about it's not about being rich, but maybe about, well, not knowing how this life will end, but <laughs> having a vision or having a, a strange sort of survival strategy. Mm. The interesting thing is that art can be anything. It can touch on so many different things that even when you do a project which not necessarily is art in itself, but it originates in an artist's work, you know, it can spread out so far. I remember my former professor, Jan Dibbets, he said like an art study for like one or two semesters, it should be like uh, Studium Generale. Yeah. So that everybody just should do it. Like just for two semesters, study art, and then you can go wherever you want to go into business or in any direction, but just yeah. get this feeling what it means, how art can empower you, how it can free your spirit. Yeah. And the other way around, it's not the art teachers who are kind of our best partners, but it's, for example, in Ruth Buchanan's project, it's the biology teachers because they're doing the gardening and they're teaching biology. And in the case of this project, the collection of Ramon Hase, which was a big fake history, art history project, it was young students, those who, who were doing their exams, so 17, 18-year-old women, it was by chance only them, they were doing their exam in German literature and like Deutsch in this exhibition. And it was one topic of their last final exams to do presentations. Yeah. I find it really interesting because this sounds very inclusive so that everybody can take a part, their own part, everybody can make their own thing with that. And I find that very much needed because right now a lot of discussions are actually mm -hmm. about exclusion. I find that very kind of like hopeful yeah. to hear that, I must say. For sure, artists are at the heart of most art-related endeavors. But there are so many other partners, like collectors and the audiences and the pupils and teachers and the city, the politicians. So how important are their networks and their ideas to shape the future form of the museum? It will be very important for museums and for the art scene in total that the bourgeois society of cities, of communities, and politics 
and the city administrations keep their connection to contemporary art and contemporary culture. And I think this is now really at stake mm -hmm. because we will have more and more dramatic financial situation. We will have more and more maybe dramatic, I should delete for the last sentence, but it will be dramatic to see how this world, this planet will, well, in a way proceed. Yes. And in all these contexts, culture can be super flu and luxury in a minute. And it can be kind of the thing which you can also remove now from the household of a community of all those foundations who maybe think then about more social or more environmental support. And therefore, it's very important to have these people, I sometimes call them also the guerrilla, who act together with us for a good understanding of culture as something which is not only representation, which is not just the market and the values and materialist, but something we need, in my view, for a social life and for our communities. And art is then not the big A art, but it's maybe more what Michael Asher once said, it's a verb. I learned it from Rita McBride. She, she said that Michael Asher taught her and the people there at CalArts when she started. The most fascinating thing for her or the phrase that turned her thought was that art is a verb like politics. I don't know the original author of that quote, but I think it's super, super interesting just to have it as, as a kind of something in, in your mind, because it tells also something about the world of politics today. So we should be part of politics and we should think about politics as also a verb, as a process, which we need to mm -hmm. take part in. And therefore, these aspects are, I think, maybe now important just because people lose contact to contemporary art. Mm. But on the other hand, some of them just understand now that art is not only the big Bilbao or whatever they have in mind or had in mind during the last years of these Yeah, the big years of contemporary art in the institutional scene. What you just mentioned, there are, there will be financial issues, there will be transportation issues, there will be insurance issues, there will be the CO2 print issues, mm -hmm. like if you ship things around the globe. Yeah, so we have all these already there. And so... We are luckily based in a region which is very rich with art and artists, but also we would like to keep our international connections. Maybe they're even more important now Yeah, that we kind of like draw the same string that we keep together, all the people that believe in the importance of culture and art and all these things. What are your plans? How do you do that? Also, in this degree, I think we, we learn now something which is maybe useful 
from the art that started to experiment somewhere in the 60s and the 70s, and also in the 90s again, to work with other um, kind of values. Mm -hmm. So, for example, now, given Corona, given Brexit, we had with Guylaine Leung a show last year, which was opened without Guylaine Leung being there for preparation for realization just before the end of the show. I think it was the very last day Guylaine Leung saw her show. And we realized suddenly that during all that time, we were in contact just because we were able to do digital contact also to the audience or with mm -hmm. the artist. And we created new production formats. And with Andrea Bowers, it started in a way because we opened the first day of the lockdown. And it's a show that Andrea Bowers never saw. But nevertheless, she was with us just because we did also all these discussions also with the people from the Hambach Forest. And Andrea joined them digitally. And uh, she was in contact with those activists. And so these sorts of communication that we just recently realized as like ersatz, which would create surrogates for the direct, for the real experience, I think they also helped us to think in new ways about the original or about, about talking or about reading just because you suddenly need it or you suddenly feel how intense it is to have a life experience. And I think all these values are important now. And to be more concrete, we have this opportunity to do shows with young artists or those who are not working always with climate crates and shipment that costs all money you can imagine. But there is lots of on-site production still. There is lots of work that makes it without so much material. And you can think about a recycling or upcycling process with materials of a show. Yeah. And so therefore, I think from show to show, we will now find out where regulations or also our feelings are the waste of material or the waste of money or of CO2 maybe creates cuts in our head, but also create new ideas. Thank you so much, Susanne. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Please find links and a text about my guest in the show notes. For more information on Voices on Art, the Van Horn Gallery podcast, follow us on Instagram at Voices on Art and at van underscore horn underscore Düsseldorf. Visit our website van-horn.net and subscribe to Voices on Art on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice. Thank you for listening to Voices on Art, the Van Horn Gallery podcast hosted by Daniela Steinfeld. Stay tuned and connect. <laughs>